strike up a conversation with just about anybody in Nebraska, and a couple of things will emerge. The weather, everybody talks about the weather. And Husker football. Everybody talks about Husker football. I'm John Schrader, and this is Watch the Media. We're going to talk about Husker football and how it's covered, how it's been covered, what happened with Scott Frost, and much more. This year, in an election year, the biggest story, the prodigal son Scott Frost gets fired three games into his fifth season after winning just 16 of 37 games on the job. But in late 2017, everybody in the state, just about everybody it seems, media and fans, were all in. Mike Bianca, the, the Orlando Sentinel sports columnist, who's also a talk, he's the Steve Sipple of Orlando. Um, he said to us that Scott Frost is like a young Urban Meyer. I mean, that, that's what he said to us in 2018. Like, that, that's the kind of guy Nebraska is getting. He goes, I covered Urban at Florida. I'm in Orlando. He reminds me of Urban Meyer when he was at Florida young. So no, nobody anywhere really saw this coming to the level of fallout it became. That's Sean Callahan, owner and publisher of one of the digital sports media outlets in this market, Husker Online. To quote Bill Callahan, he once said this to Jim Rose, um, there's an unhealthy obsession with this football team here. <laughs> and he's not that far off. Because <laughs> um, I, I do think having the greatest fans in college football, and I truly believe that um, Nebraska has the greatest fans in college football, is a good thing. But it can sometimes, as we know, be a bad thing when that passion turns the other direction. There is nothing in the state of Nebraska that engenders the kind of passion as does Husker football, not even the weather. And they haven't been a national championship contender for a couple of decades. Callahan and his brothers and sisters in the media navigate a landscape dominated in some respects by the rich and the powerful and the political elites. The political element with Nebraska football, as you know, is as big as anything. Um, being connected to the right people and having the right people bless you and want you to win and support you. Uh, I mean, Bill Callahan... Did a lot of things really well at Nebraska, but he was, wasn't was politically protected. So that's the stage we've set now for a conversation about what's going on in the sports business here with Sean Callahan, whose Husker Online brand is now affiliated with On3 after a couple of decades with Rivals. Sean is reunited with the guy who got him started in the business. A lot of life is right time, right place. And I was, I graduated at the right time when literally the digital era of online had just started. And I was the first guy that got that opportunity. Um, and Shannon Terry took a, put a bet on me, um, an entry level salary bet. And it's paid off pretty big for all of us. Sean Callahan, same brand Husker online, new partner. He added one of the most recognized people in the market, columnist Steve Sippel, who had spent 30 years working for the Lincoln Journal Star. Callahan does regular work at KETV Channel 7 on 1110 AM KFAB, does podcasting and much more, covering Husker sports. And we're talking about it next on Watch the Media. I'm John Schrader. Hey, it's great to be on. Thank you, John. 
the the owner of Husker Online, now affiliated with On3. We will talk more about that as we continue this conversation and a bunch of other things that are going on around here. But give me a little bit of your bio again. What all kinds of things do you do seven days a week, 365 days a year, and you get a little rest at night once in a while? It's it's uh, This time of year is a lot of fun, but it's a lot of work. Um, on top of running a media company, you know, I'm a father of two young daughters under the age of 10 and I have a wife. So there's a lot you got to juggle um, in a week with just all the duties. But, um, you know, obviously we cover every practice, every game, um, you know, and, and my primary responsibility is I'm the publisher, owner of Husker Online and um, Stephen M. Sipple and Robin Washett and Abby Barmore and Greg Peterson, Brian Munson. We have a large team that work uh, with me on the site. Um, but I also report for the Huskers four nights a week and a lot of it's taped. Um, with Channel 7 television in Omaha. So I'll be on the news on Mondays, Wednesdays, uh, Saturdays during the game, and Sundays as well. The only live part of it would be Saturdays a lot of times when the games are over. We'll, we'll hit live then. And then every single day, I'm on News Radio 1110 KFAB at 6.45 in the morning, 5.05 p.m. Um, as a Husker Buzz report that's sponsored on there. It's been on KFAB since 2007. Um, and before that, I was on 1620 The Zone giving live practice updates from 2000 to 2007 before that. So uh, I've done a five o'clock Husker radio report every day during the football season since 2000. So we're going on, what, 22, 23 years of doing that. And then obviously um, we do a lot of things on our YouTube channel, our podcast channel. Um, it's if you're going to be in the game this now in the media game, you, you got to be able to do it all. Okay, Sean, as you know, I'm a Nebraska native. I went to college here. I took probably many of the same courses you did, but took them more than a generation, a couple of generations before, before you did. Um, how in the world can you talk about Husker sports so much, so often in so many places and keep it fresh? Yeah, it's a challenge, but you got to talk to a lot of people. And I mean, a lot, a lot of the free time I have in the car or, you know, when there's not things to do, I'm always on the phone. I'm always calling people. I'm always talking to people. I'm always reading things. Um, whether, you know, like yesterday I spoke to a guy that is probably the biggest insider of Iowa football. So I, 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 I call around and, and talk to people around the conference. I talked to the biggest insider of Purdue football yesterday too, as well. Um, so I, I talked to guys at other places, um, you know, and, and get information on their teams and their schools and, a lot of that cross waves into what we do here. So there, yeah, there's, um, it is a challenge, but it's not a challenge because the demand, I mean, when, when you have a job that this many people are interested in the content, it's really motivating every day to want to go to work. Um, you know, I, we did like a, a Facebook or a, not a Facebook, a YouTube live show when one of the Husker coaches got fired and, you know, we topped out with 3000 live viewers watching our show and 50,000 total views on the YouTube channel. If that doesn't motivate you to want to do a good job and be good at your job, I don't know what does because um, that many people being interested in your product and your brand that you've created with Husker Online and your team of people, it's a lot of fun. So what are people talking about? This is a football team that has an interim coach. Uh, a, a prodigal son came home and it didn't work out very well. So what do people want? What do they want to know? Well, we're kind of in this coaching search fatigue portion of things you know the the shine of coach frost being fired that's off mickey joseph being named the interim you know we're kind of in that state now but we've got a whole nother month john 
at least until we really know anything. And so now we're kind of in rumor season, you know, like this week, somebody found a plane that went from Oxford, Mississippi to Lincoln. And all of a sudden that was Lane Kiffin and Nebraska. So we're going to deal a lot with those kinds of things uh, from here on out. But I feel like there's a sense of the unknown, like who is Trev going to get? Is it going to be Mickey Joseph? Um, if it's not Mickey Joseph, who's it going to be? Who would be interested in Nebraska? What is the budget we'd be willing to pay for a coach? I believe Nebraska could pay whatever it takes. Whatever it takes might be eight, nine million dollars a year, which would be towards the top of the Big Ten Conference. I mean, Mel Tucker makes nine million dollars per year at Michigan State. And, you know, he's going to have a losing season in his second season or third season now um, in East Lansing. So in I think two of his three seasons could be losing seasons overall. But, um, yeah, it, it, we're kind of in this unknown state of where it's all heading right now. So is this what the audience wants? Is this what they want to talk about? Um, I, I think people just want to have a winning football team again, and they, they want to, they want stability. And, you know, we had it under Bo Pelini, but we didn't like the way Bo led the program and it kind of led to division and the administration, you know, didn't like how Bo represented Nebraska, especially going into the big 10 and, you know, Bo won games, but he didn't win politics. And, that that really hurt him and the political element with Nebraska football, as you know, is as big as anything um, being connected to the right people and having the right people bless you and want you to win and support you. Uh, I mean, Bill Callahan did a lot of things really well at Nebraska, but he was, wasn't politically protected because he had Steve Peterson. He had one bad season after the 2006 year where they were ranked in both 06 and 07, but he got fired because um, you know, he wasn't politically the guy people wanted and they brought Bo Pelini back. So the politics of Nebraska football is as important as sometimes what happens on Saturdays. Probably nobody was as connected politically, financially, historically to Nebraska football than Scott Frost. But it was a disaster. And and honestly, Sean, most of us who watch this kind of had a feeling it might be a disaster pretty early on when the game management and the time management and some of the issues cropped up. So how then do we look at this as a political, financial, historical job in the wake of what happened with Frost? Well, the support is there, number one. Um, there's still 86,000 people in that stadium. The tickets are being sold every game. And I know you can have your own take on the sell streak, but you're in there on most Saturdays. It's, it's fairly full, if not full. And I think the money, the facilities, the NIL collective, that's going to be operated by the largest supporters of the program, the Pede family. There are a lot of elements that make this an extremely attractive job for the right guy to step in. I, I think with the frost era, it just, the timeline of things fell apart quickly. Uh, 2018, you know, they finished the year four and two after the really rough zero and six start. So you had a lot of hope and promise in, in 2018. They almost went into Columbus, Ohio and beat Ohio State, who won the Big Ten that year. They had Ohio State on the ropes. They had Iowa on the ropes. They had Wisconsin on the ropes. They did a lot of good things in that 18 season. Then in 2019, they were ranked. They were picked to win the West. When, when they blew that game at Colorado, it felt like things just fell apart at that point point when you go back to that moment in time when 65 percent of Folsom Field and Boulder Colorado was full of Nebraska fans 
and you blow that opportunity with that many people. I mean, they were ready to roll in there like an invading army to take over Boulder, Colorado and plant the flags and the bars and the restaurants. And then you blow that. And that was a big turning moment. And then Adrian was hurt and they never really came together in 2019. Like they should have. Then the pandemic happens in 2020. And it was really hard to judge the 2020 season because you only played eight conference games and they went three and five. But if you're really real about things, they probably should have made some staff changes in 2020. They didn't because they won the Rutgers game at the end. And they just kind of threw things off at that point. Um, but honestly, if they would have lost to Rutgers, like many thought they might have were going to, you know, the week before they played poorly against Minnesota, that would have been the optimal time to make staff changes. Well, then 2021 happens. And, you know, for Nebraska, they lost all those close games, but he made those staff changes for this year. And it just, it, yeah, it just never really had a good feel for various different reasons. Um, and, and Scott Frost obviously never really had a true handle on the attention to detail things that maybe it takes to win at this level. When did you first think that? When did you first come to that um, conclusion? I mean, there are a few moments. I mean, like, I'll go back to 2018, Joe Burrow. Um, they could have had Joe Burrow. Um, I know that because I've known his father, Jimmy, for 20 years. And Jimmy was at an Iowa Western practice with me in Council Bluffs in May of 2018 at 630 in the morning. We were standing alone for an hour. And he grabbed me by the arm and said, Sean, I know Joe is better than the quarterbacks they have on this roster right now in Nebraska. Because I have people that tell me that. I'll go, Jimmy, I'm not disagreeing with you, but it's not my call. I mean, things like that. Like, you could have had the best quarterback in the in this decade almost on your team, and they didn't take him, you know, and, um, you know, the, because of loyalty. And, and I think sometimes Frost, like, his biggest fault was having a hard time maybe making tough decisions and firing guys and, and parting ways with people and, and, you know, having, you know, having the tough conversations that you have to have as a leader. And it's hard to do. I, I, I totally understand that. Um, but he wasn't great in that area and he was very loyal to Adrian Martinez and Adrian was a fine quarterback. Um, but you know, if you could have had a guy like that right away, would that have made a difference then passed it on to Adrian a year or two later? Um, you know, th there are a lot of things, the what ifs, um, that you could go back to, but, you know, just the the way that they couldn't finish games, the attention to detail on special teams play, the way they just let that element of the game go. I mean, in 2020, they were the only team in the Big Ten that did not have a dedicated full-time coach on special teams. Mm -hmm. That should That's a problem. You know, there's 13 other teams in your league, and they all had a full-time guy on special teams. Well, not only did special teams blow up that year, you got NCAA <laughs> violations because you, you you tried to skirt the rules and have an analyst do more than he should. So so, did we get it wrong as a as a media? Did we, as a, a collective? And I and I'm, I really don't like this sort of monolith, the media. But I'm going to say the sports media in this market, the state, Omaha, Lincoln. I don't recall in 2018 or 2019. Uh, even into 2020, anybody saying, you know, I'm not sure this thing is going to work out. No, nobody said that was going to happen. I mean, Scott Frost, and I, I know this because I've verified it with his people. He had offers from Florida and Tennessee. He turned down Florida and Tennessee to come to Nebraska. And if he would have waited longer, he probably could have had Florida State. 
Um, if Jimbo Fisher wouldn't have gone to AM that year, he could have maybe even been looked at by AM. He was, as Bill Moose said, the bell of the ball um, that year in, in the coaching world. He had a perfect season. The way that team played at Central Florida, it captured everyone's imagination of what he could do. Um, but I think when you look back at it now, was that just a lightning in the bottle, just, you know, perfect year um, that could never be duplicated again? Like McKenzie Milton, the way they put him out there, he didn't get hurt that year. He didn't fumble. And the statistics show that a guy that size is going to get hurt probably and fumble more than he did. And he didn't. So it was just kind of like the perfect storm, the way that season came together, but nobody could have predicted this. And I, I think people had a lot of faith that, you know, he would come in. I mean, I, Mike Bianca, the, the Orlando Sentinel sports columnist, who's also a talk. He's the Steve Sipple of Orlando. Um, he said to us that Scott Frost is like a young urban Meyer. I mean, that, that's what he said to us in 2018. Like that, that's the kind of guy Nebraska is getting. He goes, I covered urban at Florida. I'm in Orlando. He reminds me of urban Meyer when he was at Florida young. So no, nobody anywhere really saw this coming to the level of fallout it became. So how then, um, or I don't know, maybe it's inexplicable. Uh, could we have gotten this so wrong? That's just, that's, that, that's just the nature of coaching changes. I mean, you, you don't really know who is going to work. I mean, did Tennessee think they had what they had with Josh Heupel? Probably not. Um, you know, Josh Heupel was Scott Frost's replacement at UCF. Right. And, you know, he, he got fired by Oklahoma, his alma mater, as the OC, went to Missouri. Then he got the UCF job. Now he's at Tennessee. Um, you know, it, it, it's hard. I mean, there are so many elements that play a factor in this. Schedule matters, too. If you get a – you know, I, I look at, like look, – look at Minnesota. They've had some favorable schedules to allow their program to really build momentum. They scheduled probably the three easiest non-conference games per year. Sometimes that does matter. If you have a schedule that lets your program at least learn how to win and build momentum, it matters. It helps. But for Nebraska's case, um, they will go next year will be the fourth straight year they've had to open with a conference game. And I believe five out of the last six will be a power five opener because the Akron game got canceled. And then the South Alabama game was the only year they did not open with like a power five or a league game uh, because in 2020 they opened with Ohio State and you know, last year, Illinois, this year, Northwestern, next year, they're going to open up the conference game as well. So the schedule stuff, you know, just to build that mental confidence as a program, they've always kind of started with a bogey on the golf cart right away. And at a place like Nebraska, you know, that gets picked apart by the fans, the media, and, and you know, don't kid yourself, that gets in the heads of the players. They start to hear a lot of that stuff. So basically... I got here in 2017 and by the middle of the 2017 season, almost everybody had fired Mike Riley or knew that Mike Riley was going to be fired. Um, but he's an outsider. Um, he didn't get the kind of, uh, of uh, grace period that, that Frost got. Um, is that a fair um, assessment that, that, that grace period would not have been, you said Bill Callahan did a lot of good things, but he wasn't connected to the right people to save his job. He also was an outsider. I think the way I look at Mike Riley was Sean Eichhorst wanted a coach that he could kind of control and manage where he couldn't do that with Bo Pelini. So Mike Riley was the ultimate guy that you could say, Hey, you go here, you go there, you go there. You know, you, you, they kind of really, 
were able to manage and control him. And then they brought in a general manager, Billy Devaney. Um, and that was kind of I-Course's muscle. You know, he, he made the tough decisions. He's the one that fired Mark Banker, not Mark Mike Riley. It was Mark, um, Billy Devaney that fired Mark Banker. Um, so I, I look at that regime. They, they almost tried to run it like a pro model um, where there was an owner and a general manager. I course the owner, the GM was Devaney and you know, the coaches were pretty dispensable in that system. So I, I just think in the end, that model just wasn't sustainable um, with the way I course built that model to, to, to win at Nebraska. Um, you know, they didn't, they didn't really recruit a ton of great players here either over, over their time. I mean, you, you go through and look at the guys that um, Riley left for, for Bo or for um, Frost. I mean, a lot of those guys, the good players were, were technically still Pelini recruits. Um, so I think there was a big hole in recruiting as well that lasted two or three years. And, you know, Frost had to pick up some of those pieces and, and they, they tried to take a few chances on some recruits like say Maurice Washington and it, it didn't work out as we know. So is the hole um, any bigger than it was five years ago? Is that hole big now? I mean, the hole is big, um, but the transfer portal and then the no limit on the 80, the no limit on the 25 rule makes this so much easier. Before transfers had to sit a year, you were limited to 25 initial scholarships per year. Now there is no cap and there is no rule of transfers. So whoever gets this job is going to have a world-class collective facilities, a transfer portal, and an unlimited cap um, to bring in as many new players as they want next year. We saw 33 players come in this program last year for Scott Frost out of the 85. It's not out, out of line to think that we could see as many or more new faces again next year. You better coach them up pretty damn well and better uh, recognize uh, what you have pretty darn quickly if you bring in more than one-third of your your scholarship roster uh, overnight practically, right? I mean, this comes down to coaching and development. Yeah, I think you've got to utilize the local area, 500-mile radius, they call it, to get your your core positions, your tight ends, your linemen, your, you know, your, your linebackers, um, your defensive linemen to an extent. I think those are the guys that you can build around here, but you may, you maybe try to use the portal for a running back or for Trey Palmer. I mean, mm -hmm. like, I think we all agree. Yeah. Let's go find another Trey Palmer. Yeah, You're going to need another Trey Palmer. Cause he's not going to be around for another year. He's right? he's, he's going to be probably in Lincoln for about 12 months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then uh, getting paid to play uh, after that. You might be out of here by Thanksgiving weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Callahan, the owner of Husker Online, does a number of things, including uh, radio every day, works on television most days. He manages an, an online operation that is now affiliated with On3. One more final question, if I may, about Scott Frost. Um, at least one, maybe a follow-up. Um, I guess I'm a little bit surprised. As you know, I've been around the block a couple of times. I've worked in a couple of places that are pretty good sized media markets. I have I've been stunned by how quickly people just turn the page. All right, we're done with Frost. See you later. We turn the page and we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to analyze it. We don't want to do anything. It's like he was our guy for then. It didn't work out. Boom, we turned the page. Is that an impression that I have that is fair or not? Um. I think what's different about this is we've never seen a coach fired in the middle of the season. So when you're focused on covering the current week's games and the current players and the coaches that are still here, 
it's really hard to just dedicate resources to, to continue to write the obituary of Scott Frost at Nebraska. And I, I don't, I, 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 I don't know what else needs to be said. He went 16 and 31. Um, you know, the, the attention to detail and the, the things that happened are, are, are pretty obvious. I mean, he, he, the things that you needed to do to win in this conference, they weren't doing um, for whatever reason. And, um, and I, I don't know what else more, you know, you need to say or get, get at this point, especially, when we're in the middle of game weeks now, if he was fired at the end of the year, it might be a little bit different, but I think it, this, the timing of his firing makes this really unique. Can I ask you then to be existential and maybe not um, because of the timing here, but um, are there some lessons we can learn as reporters, as observers, as those who are paid to chronicle what happened here from this frost experience? Um it's hard to say lessons um but yeah I, I think i think the biggest lesson is nothing is a sure thing i think when this happened you know this was looked at to be one of the most stable jobs in the country when scott frost came back to nebraska there were assistant coaches everywhere lining up to want to work for frost and lincoln and he by the way didn't they didn't take anyone new he took his whole ucf staff with them i mean zach zach taylor would have worked for frost in 2018 as the OC quarterbacks coach or receivers coach, whatever it would have been because he loves Lincoln, Nebraska, the stability. And I think nothing, as we learned, nothing is stable. Um, if, if you have a coach in a program now for longer than five years, that's extremely rare. Um, and, and Nebraska needs to try to find the next coach now that can be here longer than five years. Uh, Pelini was here seven Ross four and change Riley three Callahan four um, so it, it's it's extremely difficult as we know um, what Solich was here seven or eight whatever his I mean it after Osborne we, there just hasn't been that long-term stability and Nebraska is a place that needs that um, and you know hopefully this next hire they can find the right fit that that it that can truly make this a job where he's going to be here for a long time. Generally, interims don't um, get as much uh, opportunity to be head coach. Um, do you have any sense of whether or not Joseph is really a candidate for this job? There's a few things. He's got five games left uh, as we're taping this today. And I, I think a lot of that next two or three games will really write the script on, on that, particularly Illinois and Minnesota at home. He's got a chance in these two games to to make a real strong case because that if he were to win, say, both those games, which is a big if, that would be four out of five. Um, which would be an incredible run of Big Ten games there for Nebraska, considering where they've been in the last several years. Um, but I, I think a lot of it, too, is who would they have interested in this job? Who could they get? And that's the X factor. We don't know who the search firm and who Trev Alberts really is zoning in on. I mean, we do believe that they can pay a guy whatever it takes. That might be $8, 9000000 million or more per year. Um, so if you could get a proven guy to Nebraska that has done it and won consistently for a long period of time that preaches toughness and culture, the things that um, they're looking for, it'd be hard, you know, not to, to go that route. But if Mickey Joseph proves that he is that guy in these next few weeks and games, um, he's going to make a strong case for himself. How much influence should the, the, 
Nebraska football culture have in making a decision like this? In other words, um, alums, um, former players, uh, Coach Osborne, um, the whole Nebraska football scene. Should maybe they just step back a little bit, let Alberts do his job, let them look around, get the best guy, and not think, okay, he's one of our guys. Yeah, I, I think you're on to something there. Um, I I don't see it going that way. Um, you go back to 07, it, it really felt like Polini, you know, was that was people knew he was being going to be hired. There are former players and people that got involved. Osborne made the hire. So that, that had that feel Riley, as we know, did not have that feel, but Riley was not the first choice by Sean Eichhorst. They got turned down by Brett Bielema and other people before they got to Riley. Um, in this situation with frost moose kind of entertained the search, but we all knew what he was going to do. And if they didn't get frost in 2018 or 2017, there would have been a huge uproar. I mean, Moose might have been fired at that point if, if he didn't get Frost at that time. But this is going to be a true search. I, I have no doubt. Um, it's very, very quiet. They're keeping the information very behind locked doors. And that's the way it should be because a lot of the guys you're looking at are coaching their teams right now. You, you can't really afford to have people get involved. The former player element here, though, is as great as any program in the country and I'm not just saying that this is coming from other guys that come into Nebraska that have been around here. Um, it's, it's really unique to have so many former players voice their opinions as talk radio hosts now um, or on social media or whatever. And that element does create a lot of noise when you have that many guys with platforms and voices to um, share their opinions. Yeah. And sometimes that noise might get in the way a little bit. Sometimes that noise might be a little distracting. So uh, one man's opinion anyway. All right, greetings from West Lafayette, Indiana. I'm Andy Kendi, along with our big Red Zone insider, Sean Callahan, HuskerOnline.com. We are in the foyer of the Hilton Garden Inn here at West Lafayette, as we've got a fly going around. We got fans. Third member of our us. broadcast got, team. We have a lot of challenges as we get ready as we get ready for Nebraska and Purdue coming up at 6:30 on on the Big Ten Network. Nebraska coming in three and three. Uh, Purdue coming in at four and two. Huge game today in terms of the Big Ten West, Sean. Um, you know, looking big picture as we start off. Um, how big of a game is this? Well, you look at the West today, Illinois has, um, you know, pulled ahead and it looks like they're going to close out Minnesota as we're taping this show right now. Um, so Illinois has put them, I mean, they should be undefeated, really. The, the Indiana loss was a, a controversial finish earlier in the year. But if Purdue wins this game, it's going to be a collision course of Purdue versus Illinois to win the West. And <laughs> I don't know if any prop bet would have predicted that would have been how the West could play out this year uh, without Wisconsin. Now, now with, to be fair, Andy, Wisconsin yep. can play themselves in this thing. Absolutely. Like, yep. they control their own destiny. They looked really good against Northwestern. Sean Callahan owns Husker Online, and he's been um, at this for a long time, been covering Husker football since he was in college, since he barely got into college. Um, but you now have a new partner um, on three uh, with Husker Online. Uh, this happened um, early part of the fall, late summer, early fall. Give me an idea of what that partnership is like and what on three brings to Husker Online. Yeah, it's it's been incredible. Um 
to, to work with Shannon Terry again. Shannon Terry is the founder of Rivals.com. He sold it to Yahoo in 07, started 24-7 sports, sold that to CBS. So in a 20-year-plus period, he has basically created the industry that we're in. And this is his final chapter of his career. Um, he's in his early 50s. And you know he's been able to really poach a lot of the top websites and experts to come into on three and that list continues to grow each month as contracts and things expire um, right now three of rivals.com's five top properties joined on three nebraska michigan and tennessee um, among others and you know it, he's done a very good job of getting this thing where i mean we're barely a year old and they're pushing 110,000 subscribers um, so it, it, the the push that this has had i think has blown everyone's expectations away and, and we're not done i mean they they are just getting this thing going um and all the different resources and things around around me make this a lot easier i mean i i have things that i've never had before at my disposal i have producers for my youtube shows so when i sit down at my desk i have somebody that's professionally making graphics and running our show i have people that make social media and, and graphics and things for us at a beckons call. I said, I want a, this for my story. 15 minutes later, I've got a Trey Palmer, Anthony Grant, uh, Casey Thompson artwork for my article. So they, they've provided me the resources and technology we need to make Husker Online better. And they also provided me the resources to hire Stephen Sipple from the Journal Star, which um, really shook up the market here quite a bit, but has been, as you would expect, an outstanding addition um, to team up Sipple with Robin and I and our entire yeah. team. So, Sean, tell me, if I had just fallen off the turnip truck or if I had just accidentally fallen out of my car on Interstate 80 and didn't know what Husker Online was or On3 was or Rivals.com was or any of it, give me a little bit of an overview of what this industry does. Yeah, so Husker Online, we are the affiliate for Nebraska that covers Nebraska for On3. It, think of On3 like a television network, like CBS or NBC we're the local Nebraska affiliate, and we have the affiliate agreement to run the Nebraska content under our umbrella, Husker Online. So that's kind of a long and short of it. They provide us the technology, the resources, and the tools to succeed, and then we have a business partnership. Um, but Husker Online, you know, we've been around since the early 2000s under Shannon Terry. Shannon Ter Terry hired me out of the University of Nebraska Journalism College. I was the first full-time digital media member in the Nebraska market. I was the first full-time guy to be on radio, TV, and write at the same time professionally in the Nebraska market. And Shannon is a big part of that. He really gave me the opportunity, uh, as did the college at Nebraska, um, with all the years they gave me gave me on KRNU and other things I got to do, uh, the Daily Nebraskan and other things, um, to really kind of hone my skills and get the opportunity that I got when I graduated. So, um, yeah, I, I just feel very fortunate because – a lot of life is right time, right place. And I was, I graduated at the right time when literally the digital era of online had just started. And I was the first guy that got that opportunity. Um, and Shannon Terry took a, put a bet on me, um, an entry level salary bet. And it's paid off pretty big for all of us. And this is a business that's never been in the, shall we say, legacy media. You've never been in the television business, Husker Online, never been in the radio business, Husker Online, though you do radio and you do podcasting but from the uh, or, or print, right? So you've never really been a legacy company that moved into digital. It's always been digital first, and this has been almost right. 20 years. And it's gone full circle where 
the legacy companies like channel seven and eight Omaha and KFAB, the, mm -hmm. the, the market leaders in Omaha radio and TV, they hire us for our services to go on their, their platforms. And then we were able to take away the, the top writer from the local paper, Steve Sipple, um, to join our staff here. So, um, yeah, it, it's really exciting what we have going on with on three. And, um, you know, I, I've been doing this a long time and I'm blown away by the numbers. I mean, we have 4,000 more subscribers now or more, almost 5,000 more than we ever had at rivals, um, at Husker online. Um, and, and we're just really a few months old at this point. So this is the model you sell subscriptions. Some of your content, you kind of tease away, you give away for free, but, but much of it is, is, is subscription model, right? Basically that's yeah. the idea. And, 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 you know, there's a happy balance line and on three has, um, a news desk of people, aggregators, you want to call them. And there's 50 people or so that just write stories all day on recruiting and team news. And so there might be 20 Nebraska stories written a day that are free from our news desk that filter into our front page. And we make revenue off those stories too. Um, and those are all free and those draw in traffic. They crack the SEO algorithm of Google and other things that matter to help your site. Then we provide the premium component, but we still have free things. We have YouTube channel revenue. We have podcast channel revenue. I mean, there's so many ways to build this thing. Uh, and, you know, we're really fortunate to have, you know, a YouTube channel of 30,000 followers almost and a podcast that um, in football season gets 100,000 downloads per month uh, on the podcast channel. So all of those things, like it's not just the writing. There's so many other elements of revenue that you have to have to really make your site successful. So if there's anything you can say about media, it's that it has to continue evolving or your history, right? What is the next new thing? What is the next big thing in the delivery of media information and how it might be delivered? That's a great question. Um, I really, I think a lot of live, like the live shows on YouTube, I think are going to get bigger and bigger. Um, we do the Monday night quarterback show or the Monday night rundown show, excuse me. We do our post game show uh, on the channel as well. And I envision more production value over time, more sponsorship value over time, because there's a lot of eyeballs watching these shows and that's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And I, I think some of that stuff, you're just going to start to see, you know, cause YouTube is like a form of cable now for people. And so our show can just be on your TV. And I, I think we've made it easier with the things that are available to broadcast like a television station through forms like YouTube and other video uh, services. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I need it. I need rest. You know, we, we all need it, but I know for sure uh, health is the main thing at quarterback. You know, taking hits and landing on both my shoulders uh, as a throwing quarterback, it's not ideal. You know, you see guys all around college football. Bryce Young, uh, Aiden O'Connell played tonight with a rib injury. Um, so guys are banged up, but, you know, taking hits and landing on. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washett. You just heard from quarterback Casey Thompson uh, as he needs rest. Um, we all need rest, by the way. These, these night games – um, two weeks in a row on the road, um, working late, traveling. Um, good timing for the bye week for everybody, and great timing as well for you to get into Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill uh, to watch football this weekend. Uh, you, you can get in there on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Not only football, 
baseball, yeah, basketball, not basketball yet. Volleyball will be on uh, Oscar volleyball, and they'll have all that on. So you can watch the Dodgers. Dod- oh, <laughs> come on now, <laughs> come on wow. now. Sip's trying to get himself fired. First year on the job. <laughs> yeah. Sheesh. All right now, low blow. <laughs> But, yeah, get in there and watch all the action, (laughs) not the Dodgers. None of the television markets, and that's the only way I can sort of give it some context, in this state is bigger than the 60s. This state has 1.9 million people. This state has a football team that hasn't had a winning season in five, five, more than five, five seasons. But yet there's a Husker online. There's 24 seven rivals came back in after you left rivals and went to on three, two major newspapers still in business in this town, talk show radio in Omaha and Lincoln. How in the world can such a small place, a number of people anyway, and most of the people in the state live in two cities. Half the half the population lives in Omaha, and a, a sixth of the population lives in Lincoln. Put those together, and two thirds of the people in the state. How in the world can so many people cover a sport in a market that has so few people? To quote Bill Callahan, he once said this to Jim Rose: um, "There's an unhealthy obsession with this football team here, <laughs> and he's not that far off." Um, <laughs> Because I do think having the greatest fans in college football, and I truly believe that um, Nebraska has the greatest fans in college football is a good thing. But it can sometimes, as we know, be a bad thing when that passion turns the other direction on things. But um, the passion here is unmatched, and, and you see it everywhere. I mean, look at Dublin, Ireland. There was 15,000 fans out there for that mm-hmm. game to watch Nebraska play. And, you know, I, I walked to the game with, like, a rancher from Atkinson, Nebraska, and another – I mean, there, there are people everywhere that – that, you know, traveled out to Ireland to go to this game. And, you know, that, that's amazing. Like when you look at what this fan base is and, and the presence they still have, and if you gave them a winning team, can you imagine what it'd be like? Yeah. Can you imagine the, that happening anytime soon? It can happen soon. I mean, look at Michigan state. I mean, they, they won the sugar bowl after not being very good the previous couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's very attainable, but, I think we've learned too. There are no shortcuts to it. I think Scott Frost, if they tried anything, they they maybe try to take a couple of shortcuts, and they learned the hard way by bringing in a lot of dead weight players that ended up never seeing the field, transferring, but maybe on paper look like great additions. Um, you've got to create a roster that makes sense for Nebraska in the Big Ten Conference, and you got to know that you may not get this thing turned around in year one it's going to take two, three years to really do it the right way to get the players in and build the culture you want. Um, because you know, it's just not sustainable to, to do it the way Frost tried to do it with some of the shortcuts they took that ended up not working. So if you have so many more thousand subscribers now by, uh, changing to a to a to a new company what does a winning football team do to the sports media businesses in this state oh it'd be amazing um i, I think you, know, you you look at just the day frost was fired i think we almost drew a million page views on our site that day and you know if if you had that consistency of a team it'd be like that all the time i mean i can't even imagine honestly i mean what what the numbers would be um, traffic wise, interest wise, subscription wise, fans traveling to games, 
That's another thing. People are still traveling the games, but if they're good, add another 5,000 people to every road game. I mean, just all those things, because there's that much more interest and excitement. People don't want to go on the road if you're going to lose. Mm -hmm. They want to go on the road, and they want they want to see a Nebraska win, and then they want to go into the bars of that opposing place, and they want to basically walk around in the Nebraska shirts, feel proud about being a Nebraskan. Yeah. And, you know, when you go out and get your teeth kicked in, it ain't fun to go on the road. So yeah. I think all those things matter um, to get fans back going to some of this stuff. And it's also the local economy too, the hotels, the restaurants, the bars. It's, it's everything that's tied to, uh, and I think anybody who's listened to me for a minute knows, tied to a, a business in which the players aren't rewarded. <laughs> Right, the pay, players aren't paid. That's coming though. I mean, that, that's it has other, to. Yeah, that's a whole other show. But that that I mean, they're. I think Kevin Warren with his NFL background, um, they're they're exploring avenues to to do this right. Yeah, every president, uh, chancellor, whatever, whoever's the top dog on the campus knows in the Big Ten and every other major conference that sooner than later they will be paying. The I mean, players. how many more gold-plated toilets can they add? You know, they. they I think I think eventually you got to figure out a way to to get to use it but, but there's a yeah like i said we got a whole other show here if we get in this right <laughs> and 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 we will hey sean thanks a million for your time i appreciate it i always enjoy chatting with you and congratulations on the new venture hey thank you john and thank you for everything you're doing for uh, the students at the journalism college we're lucky to have a guy like you over there well, that's nice of you to say. Thanks a lot. Sean Callahan, the owner of Husker Online, now affiliated with On3 and growing. And who knows what happens if the football team gets really good. Sean Callahan, the owner and publisher of Husker Online, which is now part of the On3 network. You can catch him on KFAB Radio, on KETV Channel 7, on podcasting, personal public appearances, and much more. He's been with us this time around on Watch the Media. I'm John Schrader.